Hello, friends and fellow travelers, and welcome to So You Owned a VW Bus, the podcast fueled by the stories of Volkswagen owners past and present. And also fueled by some sort of strange grass substance in the fuel compartment. We'll explain that part in a little bit. We were wrapping up our 49-state excursion when we stayed with Pat Hughes, a bus owner and rider in the Flint Hills of Kansas, near the last stand of Tallgrass Prairie. After spending the night under the Kansas stars and having one of the most delicious and satisfying meals on our journey, we sat down with Pat on his porch, the swinging bench squeaking in the breeze, and the occasional buzzing fly, and a sky with hardly a single cloud in it. When you contacted me, you sent along a project that you had been working on, a writing project. I did, yeah. And can you tell us a little bit about the writing project? Uh, so, the first, I, this is my second attempt to write something. Uh, and this, the first time that I, I decided to write, um, what we did is we'd gone to the Kansas State Fair. And we saw going through the, the fair, the various kinds of animals there. And one of the buildings, of course, has poultry in it. And, and there are a bunch of different kinds of ducks. And we thought, those are pretty cool. Well, why, why don't we get some ducks? And so we got some ducks, and we ended up adding some geese to them. And we had some experience raising from ducklings to into ducks. And then thought, you know, there, there's a lot about this experience that teaches us things about life. And so that first book is kind of a compilation of stories and lessons that those stories can give us about life. And as I was looking for another project or thinking about another project, we came upon the, actually the project of, of the bus, which I think we'll talk about later. And I had the same idea of how about what is it that, that, that what, we're, what we're doing here? What is it that the experience of driving a bus can teach us about life? And how can I turn that into a book? And so that's really what the project is. It's a, it's a story about the lifespan of this 1972 bus from the time it was built until the present and the thing, the people it has known and the experiences that it's seen. How much of this book is imagination and how much of it is um, research? The... It's both. Um, I'm, I'm not sure that there's any fiction that isn't, doesn't have to be true. And so in its essence, it is research. It's research about how Volkswagen buses were used over time and how they were seen over time. And it's research about this particular bus to some extent too. But mostly it was inspired by what we discovered when we got the bus. And that's really the story I want to tell you, if, if that's all right. Of course it was all right by us. Yeah, the excerpt of the manuscript Pat sent positively floored me, and the 100-mile detour to meet him was a really easy decision. And you'll get to hear a little bit of the manuscript in a minute, but first we wanted some background on the bus he bought for his son Colin that inspired the story. So then years later, uh, our youngest son is in high school, and it's after his freshman year, so we're out in the country, as, as you've, you've said, and there's not a lot necessarily to do, but we wanted to have give him something to keep him occupied. He didn't have his driver's license yet, so he couldn't go to work. So what I decided was, wouldn't it be cool to have kind of a, a project of fixing up an old car? And 
looked on the internet and found that there was a guy in Oklahoma who what he did was he went around to farmers' fields and he picked up cars that were just sitting there abandoned and then he brought them together and he sold them on the internet and he had this old Volkswagen bus that was listed so we got this this Volkswagen bus and it had been sitting in the field for probably about 25 years now it had originally well not originally it had most recently been painted maroon but it had been sitting out in the sun for a long time and so the maroon in some places started to burn away over time and underneath the maroon there was this pale yellow and the pale yellow then in some places started to burn away a little bit over time from the sun and the, the wind and the rain and and then underneath that there was that kind of yellowish orange of the original color of the bus and in some places rather than burning away particularly at the edges of, of where it went from this maroon to the yellow it, it the maroon had turned kind of black so it's basically this kind of purplish reddish with some black and some yellow and some orange and it just it just looks like a bruise so we the first thing we did was we opened up the engine compartment and when we opened up the engine compartment what we saw was there was just it was just filled with hay and so we thought this it was really dry and and brittle and then it also you know the, in there it kind of it kind of smelled it was kind of a, a muskies kind of uh, acrid sort of smell that I thought, you know, must be rodents that are living in here. And so we cleared out all the hay. And it's a 1972. And that means that's the first year for the, the Type 4, the bigger design flat engine. But when we cleared all, all the hay, we saw it didn't have a Type 4 engine in it. It had a beetle engine. It didn't just have a beetle engine. It had a beetle engine that didn't have any of the, the cooling tin on it. And somebody had stuck this thing in there. And so there's lots of, of room around it. it we thought... Most Volkswagen engines, no matter how long they've been sitting, you can get them running. But we grabbed the 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 uh, pulley and moved it back and forth, and there was enough movement we could tell that it was not going to be something we were going to be able to get fixed. So we decided to take it out, which took us all of about 10 minutes. Although with practice, maybe we could have gotten it down to five. But four bolts and a wire, and that's it. So that was easy enough. And then... We thought as long as we have the engine out, it's been sitting for a long time, we want to make sure that there's nothing in the fuel tank that's going to cause us a problem. So we thought we better clean that out. Well, the fuel tank is on a shelf behind the engine, so you have to have the engine out in order to get the fuel tank out. And there's a, a metal panel that blocks the, the, between the engine and the shelf where the fuel tank is. And it's ordinarily held in by, I don't know, a dozen screws or something like that. But this one just has three screws and they're kind of loose. And so it's easy enough. We, we pull that thing out and there's more hay stuck back in there. And I look at this thing and I think that's really weird. And I can't figure out why I think it's weird. I just think it's weird. And then I'm thinking, why would somebody design a car that has the full width of the Volkswagen bus, that you could put a gas tank, but the gas tank only uses about half of that width, and then there's just this this open space next to it. That doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. And then I thought, you know, you, how could you, I, you couldn't go very far with this. And then I looked at it more closely, and I saw there's a this weld line kind of in the middle of the tank. And I realized somebody has, at some point, cut this tank in half and welded it back together to be smaller. Now, I'm kind of slow sometimes, and I know sometimes you hear things and it takes you a while to 
attribute meaning to them, to figure out this is a symbol of something else, right? I mean, Jesus talks about this, but people, he speaks in parables so that people might, might listen, but they're not going to hear, or they will, they will look, but they won't see. And I know what that's like because in a second, it came to me. There was a bullet hole in the windshield. It had been sitting in a field for 25 years. You've got this engine that is easily removed and this half a gas tank and you have all this. Oh, that's not hay. That's the last load of what we come to call the smuggle bus. So somebody at some point had decided to use this for a little adventure. And that caused me to think about what is the story? There's various kinds of distritus in the, in the glove box. And how, where, how does it come to be where it is? How is it that somebody leaves this full, filled with their last load of, of illicit drugs and leaves it there? What happened from the time it came across the ocean and came in through the port of Louisiana and was sold in Bloomington, Indiana, to cause it to now be here in our yard. And so that was the impetus for the book. And Colin, over that summer, he did a lot of work on it. He put in new wheel cylinders. He uh, sanded down the ceiling and painted it or stained it with pecan uh, stain. He took the, the, all the upholstery was just rotted away. And we had some old canvas tents. And so he covered the, the seats with the material from the old green canvas tents. And the steering had a lot of worn bits and parts that needed to be replaced. And so bit by bit, he got it going again. And we got new tires, of course. We, of course, replaced that, that windshield and put in a full-size gas tank. That was pretty important. And once we got that done, it got back on the road, got back into service, and we used it to shuttle kayak when we go kayaking, and we've used it to go camping. We used it to go to music festivals. I use it for grocery shopping sometimes on the weekends, and I used it for a remote office during the pandemics. We did. We put in eventually a, a Type Four engine and another transaxle, but we haven't repainted it. We have left it as a bruise so that. It can tell the story of, of all of us, that life is hard, and it wears us down. And though we might be abused, we might be abandoned, we might be scarred, there's hope of being brought back again. And, and not merely being brought back to new, to, to flawless and shiny, but brought to a special kind of beauty that, that only suffering can bestow on us. And even though the bus has suffered, it is also loved. You gave me a tour of the bus earlier, and you've—I think the—you know—it's rife with symbolism. Uh, you've added a couple of other things. There's not just the—you know—the the bruised look that time has given it, but you've um, marked it in other ways. Right, right. So uh, the down the the. Driver, I'm sorry, driver, yeah, down the driver's side of it, you'll look at it from a distance and it looks like maybe there are hieroglyphics on it or something like that. Not quite a racing stripe because it's too irregular to be a stripe. But what you see is there's some kind of a, a marking along the, the top. And if you care enough to go closer, then 
you start to look at it and you see it's a series of individual pictures that are are actually what it is is where that maroon paint is burned away to reveal the yellow underneath to then show a picture. And I did that with a laser etcher. And if you look then, once you realize they're pictures, you start to walk down the side of it. You see that the first picture is the the logo for the 1972 Olympics. And then there is the top movie in 1972, which was The Godfather. And then there is the album cover from American Pie. And then 1973, an event from 1973, a movie from 1973, and a song or an album from 1973. And if you walk along, what you realize as you're going is that you're walking through time. And if you're old enough like we are, then you're going to eventually encounter something there that takes you back, that causes you to think about earlier times in your life. And connects it with something later that you see also that reminds you, yeah, when you first heard that song or when you saw that movie or, yeah, I remember going to see Star Wars in 1977. And then the timeline goes from 1972 when it was built to 1996 when it was left abandoned in the field. And then on the back, there is the message that you see when you've walked down the timeline. And the message is... Life as a journey, drive slow. Yeah. Which, of course, if you've got a Volkswagen bus, you can't help but do. And it's a reminder to the people who are lined up behind you that, you know, maybe it's not quite so bad to be waiting in the line. We asked Pat if he would read the first couple pages of his manuscript to us, and he obliged. A cast iron sign says, After 5.30, gentlemen are required to wear jackets and ties. The gold paint on the embossed letters could have been painted yesterday. Summer flowers line the walk up from the rocky beach. The breeze across Lake Huron blows through the tall pines. Your legs tire. The scale of the huge wooden hotel sets in. The 600-foot porch is lined with hundreds of white rocking chairs. The shingled roof is held by columns three stories tall. A windowed cupola, as big as most houses, topped by an American flag, stands in the middle. Since 1871, the symbol of Mackinac Island has been the Grand Hotel. Its sound has been the clip-clop of percherons pulling coaches, taxis, and drayage wagons. The main street is lined with bicycles. The first car frightened the horses, and they were banned from here. It's not a place for those like me. My type has never set tire on its soil. I waited in the Shepler's Ferry parking lot on the other side of the straits while my owners visited. They came back wearing the t-shirts they bought. They say Mackinac Island over a picture and Michigan under it. The picture, bigger than any of the words, is of me, a Volkswagen bus with a peace symbol on the side. At the gift shop at Monarch Pass in Colorado, you can buy a tee with the image of the front end of a VW bus that says, laid back since way back. On Oskaloosa Island in Florida, you can get a shirt with a green VW bus surfboard on top that says, the simple life, Oskaloosa Island. Why is mine the picture that people buy to remember their happy vacations, even at a place with no cars? I don't know if I can answer that, but I can tell you, the part of the story that involved me, this particular bus, 
1972 once Sierra Yellow tin top campmobile. I could tell that in a dramatic way how before I was even born, I was put up for sale and I've been owned ever since. I've been beaten with a hammer. I've been locked out naked in the rain and snow. I've been neglected. I've been abandoned and left for dead. How I was shot in the face with a pistol. It would be true to say that if you see me, it will be the ravages of time, the sun burns so bad it will never heal, and the scars of a hundred injuries that catch your gaze. I could write, you will wonder how I survived this long, how I traveled this far through time, why I wasn't crushed somewhere along the way. And I could then tell you, against all odds, I'm here to tell you my story. That would all be the truth, but it wouldn't be the most important truth. I've seen the oceans, the forests, the mountains, and the deserts. I've worked hard, but played harder. I've followed the band, lived in a commune, and reconnected the generations. I have been, and am, loved. If you see me, the most, mostly you will, if you see me, mostly you will smile. Smile broadly. You will remember the things that make you happy. You will point to the person next to you. You might even tell them a funny story you hadn't thought about in years. And as to telling you my story, well, this story really isn't mine. I'm just a vehicle. It's the story of the people I've carried to safety, people I've traveled the country with, whom I've kept dry in the rain, given a place to sleep, protected from the snow, people with whom I've committed crimes, people whose weddings I drove to only to wait outside in the parking lot until it was over. Mostly they were people who I helped make their way home. People who until now think it was I who gave them the stories to tell. They are the people who needed me, wore me down, and in the end brought me back from the brink, who redeemed me. My story is the story of how they too have been redeemed. I write it down now because in my advanced age I want to assure you, reader, that no matter how broken you are, you can be redeemed too. When this gets published, if you want somebody to blurb the book, you give me a call. I, I appreciate I, it. I'm not sure. It probably will not help your sales, <laughs> but it would be my pleasure. I've got another story to tell you if you got time. Got yes, absolutely. Yeah. So one of the things I, I think I told you we, we've done with this bus is go camping at music festivals. And I, I hail from a Scottish clan. My ancestors came over from Scotland to Canada in the early 1800s, and I still have a little bit of their, their, their way of looking at the world within me. So we went to this music festival and had a car show that was affiliated with it, I guess to get more people to attend. And they were charging for parking at the music festival. They wanted $20 to park. But the entry fee to the car show was $15. So I thought, hey... I can save five bucks if I, rather than going to the parking lot, I'll just go into the car show. So I did that, and I found a place. The, the car show was actually just right outside the where the the stage was. So I parked with the sliding door so that I could slide it open, put up my awning, and set out our deck chairs and be right there and see the stage. And I had a great seat. And then what I found out at the end was that we won first place <laughs> after the interview concluded pat asked if we wanted to ride around the gravel roads of the flint hills in his vw thing and of course we said yes 
It was one of those perfect moments. Beautiful scenery, a ride in a rare and primo VW, and above all, great company. It's one of my favorite memories. Since we interviewed Pat, he has finished writing Memoir of the Smuggle Bus, as he calls it, and he shared the manuscript with me. If you like the opening pages, you're going to want to read the whole book when it finally gets published. It's heartbreaking, funny, and beautifully written. Pat, we hope we see you again. Thank you for everything. And thank you to our stalwart sponsors, the Jan Machowski Foundation, and Go Westy. Drive slow, everyone. Drive slow, everyone.